Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. I come from a big country family, and we live on a farm. We raise our own food and meat animals, and we hunt and process and whatnot. My dad's first cousin is even a licensed taxidermist, so we get a lot of hunting. For a bit of backstory, on the homestead that I grew up on, and still live on, it was my parents, my pop's first cousin and his wife, me and my four sisters, and my four female second cousins. So four adults and nine kids, with lucky me being the only boy, and sometimes my pop's brother comes to stay with us too, especially when hunting season is starting up. So hunting season, deer, is going on, and my pops, his brother, Uncle K, and the cousin that we live with, Uncle V, are all getting ready to go hunting. Some of us kids decide to tag along, me, 12, and my sister, S, 15, and my cousin, A, 14. We get permission from one of my Uncle K's friends to hunt his land a ways away, basically several hundred acres of forest. An important fact too is that, during the time that we were setting up, my pops and uncles were being quiet while the three of us kids were talking, but my voice hasn't changed and this is important. So us kids keep chattering away while the adults are just letting us get our energy out while they check the survival equipment, making sure the guns are clean and working and all that. The strong silent southern types, you know. And all of a sudden there's a rustling in the thick brush around us, and suddenly, Three creepy-looking guys enter the clearing. They stop dead. One of them has a hand on his knife on his belt. They're clearly drunk as hell, and they keep looking between A and S and my pops and uncles like they're debating something. My pops and uncles stand up. Last bit of backstory, too. Every dude in my family is huge. I'm 19 now, and I'm 6'5". My dad is the biggest of 6'10", 280. Just deeply intimidating, and so are my uncles V and K. The guys laugh nervously as my Uncle V picks up one of the rifles and points it at them. These dudes start running out of the clearing like the devil's after them and my pops immediately says that we're clearing out. My uncles don't even question it and neither do us kids. We're freaking out and totally take things down sloppy but my pops doesn't say anything about us messing up his camping equipment. We get back into cell service and my dad calls the cops about seeing those guys but... The cops just don't seem to think that it's serious since nothing happened. We also told the owner of the land who took it more seriously as he had kids of his own, but we never heard anything about them appearing again on his land to his knowledge. It's at that moment though that I realized A, S and me with my unchanged voice were the only ones these guys could hear talking and 
They obviously thought that they'd come across a camp of three girls by themselves. This happened to me a while back when I decided to go on another camping trip alone. I always like camping alone. There's something serene and sobering about being isolated in the middle of the wilderness and I always found it relaxing. So I planned out what trail that I was going to take, packed my camping gear and my rifle for protection and jumped into my truck. I get to this trail early in the morning and hike about 15 to 20 miles in until I find the right spot and head off the trail to find a place to put my tent up. I stumbled upon this nice sized clearing and decided that it's a nice beautiful spot to settle down. I'm pretty exhausted at this point but set up the tent at the southernmost edge of the clearing next to the tree line and managed to get a fire going. I roast some food and I start to hear a sound in the distance underneath all the forest noise. It sounded like an animal, most likely a deer with a lame leg or something as it sounded like the animal was making a, a walking or dragging noise. I felt bad for the poor guy but it was too far away and it was getting dark so I couldn't really go find it and put it out of its misery. I think nothing of it after that and I just go about eating my food. After I eat I douse the fire and crawl into my tent and insert myself into my sleeping bag and I decide that even at my exhausted and relaxed state that I can't go to sleep so I pull out a book that I brought with me and I start to read by the light of my lamp. Hours go by and then I hear that sound again and this time it was closer. In fact, right at the opposite side of the clearing. Surprised, I put my book down and I listen to this animal walk or drag across the clearing towards my tent. It's really loud at this point and it sounds like the hooves are all being heavily planted with the dragging noise following seconds after, like the deer is dragging something along. It makes it about what I assume is the middle of the clearing and stops and then I hear nothing. No breathing and I mean not a sound from this animal. I unzip the tent and look into the clearing. Nothing but trees and darkness and I'm like what the hell? Unnerved at this point I zip the tent back up and just sit there listening for any other noises. Nothing. Just the crickets and the breeze. I decide that there's a lot of strange noises in the woods and I try not to let it bother me. Besides, I had my rifle. I start to doze off when I hear men's laughter off in the distance to my right, then women's laughter and stick snapping far off to my left. I'm up now wondering if what I'm hearing is really what I'm hearing or just a product of being half asleep or something. I hear more faint laughing from a couple of other different directions, all different i.e. old men, old women, even some children, and confirm that it is indeed real. The noises are closing in and I grab my rifle, preparing to fire a warning shot off in the air in case they came too close. Something about this laughter though, how far in I was and the noise earlier, and the time of night told me that this was not just another family strolling through. I was on edge enough already, but then I noticed that the nightlife was just dead quiet. I mean, not even the wind was making any noise. I decided at this point that enough was enough. I unzipped the tent and fired a shot into the night. I sat there and surveyed the tree line and saw nothing. I listened intensely to my surroundings. No laughing and the forest sounds had returned. So relaxing just a bit and figuring that I must have scared whoever off, I sat down in my exhausted state and eventually I fell asleep. I wake up later in a cold sweat, racked with anxiety, and it was still dark outside. And then, I immediately hear two people whispering not too far from my tent. Alert, I grab my rifle and I listen to what they're saying. I can't make out much, but I hear something about being lost, so I shout, Hey, who's there? And the voices, they fall silent. I shout again, Are you guys lost? Who's there? But suddenly, a huge burst of flame, like a flamethrower, erupted from the middle of the clearing, illuminating several silhouettes of people just standing around it. In shock, I fire my rifle, blowing a hole in the front of my tent, and then it just goes completely dark. 
Without checking my surroundings, I get up and I sprint out of my tent, making a hard left back to where the trail was, and I just hiked until sunrise back to my truck with my head over my shoulder the entire way. Strangely, I never heard anyone follow me and I never saw anyone or anything the whole way, but I just couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. After that too, my enjoyment of camping alone left me, just like I left all my gear in the woods that night. So the neighborhood that I grew up in was fairly small. The neighborhood was shaped like a T and there were maybe 20 houses total along the two streets that made it up that is. Now, Across the road from our little community was a large church with a huge graveyard. The church was situated in a gentle bowl-like curve in the road so that the road had a bend on it either side and you couldn't see the church or the graveyard coming from either direction. Some of the graves in this graveyard were in fact old enough that the names and the dates had been worn away by the elements, but the grounds were well cared for and never got overgrown or anything. It was a stark juxtaposition to the tangled woods that lurked behind the church, that's for sure. Always hungry to encroach on the manicured grass and neat rows of the headstones. Overall, it was just kind of too perfect. Chillingly idyllic, if that's the right way to express it. And vaguely threatening, particularly because of its picturesque appearance. I mean, honestly, I can't say that I even remember a single time that the grass was allowed to grow too long... Weeds were never allowed to creep into the flowers planted at each grave, or a single flower was allowed to wilt on the plants, or anything. But the biggest issue, though, was that this graveyard was very haunted. The whole neighborhood was, really, including my childhood home. At night, large blue orbs would bob slowly between the graves at about chest height, like ghostly lanterns. The church parishes would tell stories about cold spots, visions of lost loved ones, prayer candles mysteriously snuffing out on their own, and Bibles and hymn books being flung onto the floor by unseen hands and just everything. But the most terrifying and common apparition that came from this church was a graveyard hitchhiker, or that's what we called it anyway. I personally encountered her on three separate occasions, and everyone in the neighborhood had seen her at least once. She caused several wrecks, and some with casualties even, over the 20 years that I lived there, and it was said that anyone who died because of her would be forced to wander with her until she found peace. The first time that I saw her, I was just a kid, maybe six or seven. It was a Friday, and my dad picked me up from the elementary school, and as per tradition, he had taken me to the bread box for a blue raspberry slush and a 50 cent old-fashioned mini cherry pie. You all know the ones that I mean, right? But he made me pinky promise not to tell my mum because she'd get mad that he'd spoil me before dinner and all that. So, there I am in the passenger seat of Dad's little red Ford S10, munching on the last bit of my pie as we pull up to the entrance street to our neighbourhood, when a woman dashes out of the graveyard directly in front of my Dad's car. He slams the brakes so hard that they screech and they stop the truck just in time to only tap the palms of the woman's hands where she had thrown them out in front of her. And immediately, I knew that something was wrong. Her light auburn hair was snarled and had bits of leaves and twigs caught in it. The summer dress that she was wearing was torn and blood was sleeping onto the brightly patterned cloth in several places. She also had a split lip and a black eye and several cuts and bruises on her. My dad rolls down the window and asks if she's okay and if she needs help. Immediately, she gets hysterical, sobbing and tears streaking her cheeks, and begs him to take her to the nearest hospital. She says that her life depends on it and begs him to please hurry and help her. My dad has me scoot to the middle of the bench seat and this woman opens the door, gets in and buckles up. Her arm brushes mine as the seatbelt clicks in place and I shudder because I had never felt skin just so cold like that. My dad pulls into the church parking lot, reverses, and heads towards the St. Mary's Hospital that's about 15 minutes from her house I'd say. But as soon as we round the bend in the road, she just vanishes. Like right before our eyes, she's just gone. 
The seatbelt is still buckled and we could still see the print of her hand on the window, but she was just gone, just like that. I get pretty freaked out and I start to cry. My dad gets out looking around, knocking on doors and asking if anyone has seen her. And after about 10 minutes, my dad gets back into the truck looking puzzled and pale and we just go home. We don't mention this at home and I decide eventually not to tell mom or my sisters so that they wouldn't laugh, call me crazy or say my imagination was acting up again. But dad had seen her. He knew too and he didn't talk about it too so I decided that I wouldn't either. After a few days I'd forgotten the whole incident and didn't spare this ghost another thought. Well that is until years later when she stopped my mum. By this time, I was an angry and sullen 7th grader who liked loud rock music, preferred books to people, and was constantly getting in trouble at school. This particular day, mum was bringing me home after a meeting with the principal. I'd gotten into a fight in my lunch period with three other students. Mum was furious at me because I'd punched one boy and bitten another after they dumped my lunch tray on the floor. The principal had called her in for a meeting after school to discuss what to do about my behaviour. And as it was sometime in the fall, it was already starting to get dark when we headed home at about 4.30. This time though, when the woman ran out in front of us, in that self-same summer dress, despite the chill in the air, she was just too close and mum wasn't able to hit the brakes fast enough and we actually hit her. Not hard enough to cause serious damage, but enough to make her fall. You could hear the thud as the van made contact with her stomach and the nasty wet sound of a body hitting concrete. It always makes me cringe thinking about that too. My mom obviously freaks out but she has knee and feet problems and she didn't get out of the car. She opens the door and leaned a little out as the woman shakily stood. My mom asked if she was okay and needed an ambulance but didn't get an answer. As soon as the woman looked up, my mom shut up and whispered, Oh my goodness. The woman stumbled as if drunk towards my mum, and my mum instinctively pulled the door closed to keep a barrier between her and the ghost. The woman asks my mum to please take her to a hospital, and my mum refuses. She says that she can call an ambulance, but she'll not give the woman a ride. And at this point, she gets really upset, and she just starts shrieking. My already upset mum shrieks back that she won't risk her daughter's life to give a stranger a ride. The ghost girl falls silent and looks at her for a moment before looking at me and begging, help, please help. I stutter out something about not being old enough to drive and the ghost wails, you could have helped me. And then, again, she literally just vanished without a trace. That night, my mum mentions it at dinner and my dad and my brother and older sisters get really pale and quiet. But the ghost woman is all mum can talk about for a week and I start to pick up on the fact that my sisters may have seen this thing too. I start asking some of the other kids in the neighborhood and they tell me wild tales about lost souls and how this ghost is responsible for all the car accidents that happen in the church. I'm pretty freaked out, but some part of me is still skeptical enough to scoff, despite my own experiences with this said ghost. But the last time that I saw her was just a few months later. So, I was hanging out at the church trick-or-treat with the three siblings who lived across the street from me. It was freezing out, and I was dressed as a vampire. Despite the dress covering basically everything important, the material was still thin, and the cape that I was wrapped in didn't add much warmth. But at some point, the parents of the kids that I was with ran out of the candy that they brought to the trunk or treat, packed us up in the car, and started to pull out of the parking lot. And just as they pulled out onto the road to cross over into our neighbor's entrance, their mum screamed for her husband to stop as this woman darted straight in front of the car. I only just barely caught a glimpse of that same bloodied sundress and her wide brown eyes for an instant. He slammed the brakes and the car went skidding down the small inclined church driveway, spinning in a full circle before slamming into the curb beside someone's driveway. All of us kids were shrieking at the tops of our lungs, but the ghost was nowhere to be seen. Some of the people still attending the trunk or treat ran over to check on us, and after verifying that no one was hurt, they sent us on our way. 
I haven't run across her again, but once a man crashed his tractor into a ditch over this ghost while I was in high school and there was almost constantly at least three accidents every year around the curves in the road, leaving drivers and passengers disoriented and asking about this mysterious woman. Now that I've moved across the city though, each time my fiancé and I visit my parents, I kind of expect that woman to appear in front of our car at some point. My fiancé thinks that I'm just telling spooky stories, but who knows, maybe one day she'll stop him and beg for help again. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. About four years ago, I was a line cook at a restaurant that was located in a hotel. I worked at this restaurant for nearly two years with no problem walking the half mile or so distance that it took me to reach the bus that I took to get home from my job. But this restaurant had a partnership with the hotel for late night room service. So, pretty much every night after closing the restaurant, one, sometimes two, line cooks would stay after until 3am, preparing simple things like salads, sandwiches and wraps that would then be taken to the rooms via hotel employees. Now, me being a recent college grad in my early 20s would always volunteer myself for the extra hours. The student loans and rent cost a lot of dollars. And as I said prior, I had worked this job for a decent amount of time with no problems. Except for one rainy night that... I'll never forget. As I left my work that morning around 3am, I realized that I'd messed up when I forgot an umbrella that day. I now had to make my normal walk under decent rainfall. After lighting a cigarette and putting in my headphones, I was ready to make my unfortunate journey home. I started on my normal routine walking back, cutting through the alleyways that I had memorized as my shortcuts through the city. And about halfway through my walk, a car started following next to me with the passenger window down. Aware of my surroundings, I had recognized this, but decided to mind my business and keep my head down and just keep walking. Growing up in a rough neighborhood taught me better than to put my nose where it doesn't belong. Unfortunately, though, that wasn't enough. Over the music coming from my headphones, I could hear shouting coming from the car. I turned to face the car driver, but didn't stop walking. He looked back at me and... It was a white man in his late 30s, early 40s, with a bandana and sunglasses on. I remember thinking that it was odd that he was driving with sunglasses so late in the night. But he said, Hey man, where are you heading? And I could hear him say that. At this point, I took one of the earbuds out and replied, What's it to you? To which he answered, I figured I'd ask, You look like you need a ride to get out of the rain. I told the guy that I'm all set and that I was almost at my destination anyway. Now keep in mind, I'm still walking and he's driving slowly next to me on this side of the street at 3am. He replied with, no problem, do you smoke weed man? At this point I was annoyed with this guy. I had just gotten done working 13 hours in a kitchen and all I wanted to do was listen to some damn music and unwind before bed. 
I told the guy, no man, I don't, even though I actually do, but I replied in a stern and obviously annoyed tone this time. He just looked at me, almost like he knew that I was bullcrapping him. I said, have a good night, before replacing my earphone back into my ear and taking a ride up a one-way side street, losing him in the process. I arrived at my bus stop safely and with about 10 minutes to spare. I was the only one there besides one other man and a homeless man sleeping on a bench some ways up. And after about three minutes, the car pulls up to the side of the curb, directly in the bus lane. This time, I'm actually facing him. He rolled down the window and said, You're heading to the south side, huh? I replied, How do you know? And he pointed above me. I looked up and on the digital board it says the next bus destination and time. He said to me, Do you want to lift there? I'm heading that way. And at this point, I was all set and the hood came out of me. I told him, hey man, I don't know you and I don't want to ride with you, so move. He just stared at me again, but this time I stared back. We locked eyes for a good 20 seconds before the bus approached behind him, honking loudly. The guy checked his rearview mirror, rolled up the window and just sped off. On the way home, I remember looking behind me and my surroundings to make sure this creep didn't try to follow me home. Luckily, he didn't, and when I got off the bus, I was in my apartment safe within about five minutes. The fast forward a few weeks, and one of my buddies who I worked with asked me if I heard about the body the cops found in a dumpster behind the grocery store, less than five minutes from the hotel. I told him no, but he said that the body of a girl was found strangled to death, and the cops are on the lookout for the killer still at large. The cops had no evidence and were asking for people to come forward with additional information. I hadn't told my buddy or anyone besides my girlfriend at that time what had happened that night and when I told him the story he insisted that I call the cops and tell them what happened. I told him that I would but in truth I never actually did. Call me old school but like I said earlier I learned growing up to just mind my own business and avoid trouble and trouble won't find me. So, that's what I did. To this day, I still haven't heard anything more on the case. I wonder if it was the same guy, and I think about how weird it was for him to approach me the way that he did, at such an odd hour of the day. The sunglasses, the following me to the bus stop. That stuff doesn't normally happen, right? Anyway, after that experience, I started walking home with my knife in my pocket, and walked with only one earphone in the whole time so that I could hear my surroundings better. I also stopped volunteering for the overnight shift as well. I do hope that whoever killed that girl gets caught, or at least has a change of heart. It's crazy just how fragile life is, hey. This happened when I was about 10, I think, or at least around that age. I'm 15 now. So... I'd been at my cousin's wedding, which was across the country, and we had to stay in a hotel at the time. We'd been up since 8am and spent the whole day celebrating, so everyone was very tired. My dad had been drinking and wasn't able to drive us back to the hotel, so my mum, my sister and I made plans to get a lift from my auntie and my uncle. My dad and my brother went with my other auntie and uncle. Anyway... We had left the venue and had been driving for about uh, 10 minutes down a dark, deserted one-way road. Everything was fine. I was sitting in the back seat with my mum and my sister and were all just chatting, although I was kind of half asleep. And that was until my uncle cursed under his breath and the car slowed down. This woke me up fully because I knew that the road was very long and there were only trees on this side of it. Also, I was young and I believed that cursing was a terrible sin at the time. But when the car completely stopped, I sat up a bit, trying to see what was going on. Then, to my horror, I saw a man walking towards the car. This wouldn't have been as scary as it was if it weren't pitch black, in the middle of nowhere, and if the man didn't have a load of glass shards in his face. It was truly just a horrifying sight. There were pieces of glass in his skin and it was just so bloody and there was even a big shard sticking out of his cheek. He knocked on the window and motioned for my auntie to roll down her window. She rolled it down a bit and my uncle asked, what do you want? The man with this glass in his face asked, could you give me and a friend a ride to the hospital? 
friend, I thought to myself. I couldn't see another man. That's when a second man walked out from the bushes and he also had glass in his face and it was also really bloody. The second man walked over to the driver's side of the car where my uncle was. He asked my uncle to roll down his window as well. My uncle complied, but like my auntie, he only rolled it down a small bit. And the guy asked, can you please give us a ride? But my auntie told him, I'm sorry, but there isn't any room. The first man looked at the back seat as if he didn't believe my auntie. He made eye contact and it was probably the scariest five seconds that I've ever experienced. Just then, he pulled on the handle of the car door and it opened. This is when I started to panic and I could feel my mum tense up. My auntie struggled with the man to try and close the door. Luckily though, the man seemed like he'd been drinking, so he wasn't as strong as he would have been if he was sober. The second man didn't seem to be doing much, he just kind of seemed to be watching the whole thing play out. Finally, my auntie was able to close the door and locked it. She said, please just take this, I'm sorry, and she scrambled out a $20 note. I can't remember if the man actually took it or not, but the last thing that I do remember about that night was my uncle driving away as fast as he could. After that, I think that I fell asleep or I was in shock from what had just happened. But I wonder now, what would have happened if there was room in the car? Would the men have tried to hurt us or were they actually in a terrible accident and genuinely needed a ride? I don't know, but I'm just thankful that we got away that night with everyone pretty much unscathed. I'm an 18 year old female with two female roommates of the same age. We just moved to a very big city and we live in a small apartment complex with a classic dark scary back alley. Which just so happens to be where my roommate's parking spot is located as well. So I work overnight and one night I got off work at around 12.30 midnight. My roommate picked me up and we headed home. We were being pretty loud talking and laughing as we made our way around the building and up to the stairs to our apartment. And the second that we got in and sat down on the couch, our doorbell rang. We were of course very confused and from our position on the couch, we can see out the window to our outer door. The way that our apartment is arranged, you unlock a door to get into a hallway that has doors leading to our apartment and our neighbors as well, but it looks like the outer door leads directly into our apartment from the outside. And there's a large, middle-aged man outside our door. He sees us sitting on the couch and starts talking to us, asking us to open the door, that he needs help. He tells us that someone is trying to rob him and he needs us to open the door and call the police for him. We immediately jump up and step out of view of the window, obviously not near stupid enough to open the door. We hear our neighbor's door open though. Two males live next door to us and they're very nice. We peek out into the hallway and tell him what's going on. He opens the door, talks to the man, tells him to wait outside while he gets his phone. We can hear their exchange through the window. Our late night visitor tells our neighbor that he has a bunch of silver ignorance or something on him and that they're worth a lot of money. Some guy was trying to rob him right outside and he needs someone to call the cops. The neighbor complies but while he's ringing the police, the guy just takes off running, never to be seen again. The cops never showed up either. And I know that that isn't a big deal, but that asking for help thing is a classic serial killer ploy apparently. Plus, he was supposedly getting robbed right outside where we just were and we didn't hear or see a thing. It has bad intentions written all over it, but either way, we were left pretty creeped out that Well, I had a creepy experience that uh, I never really thought too much about, but I figured that I'd share it. So one morning, probably around uh, 4am I think, I woke up to a very strange kind of growling or voice. I guess I moved and looked over my shoulder. My boyfriend noticed that I was awake and said, you heard that too, right? Confused, I said yes, it woke me up. He said that he woke up to this feeling of an evil presence to the left side of the room in the corner. He said that he was laying there and began praying silently and it was while he prayed that this thing began growling and speaking something that he couldn't understand. After I woke up it apparently stopped. 
It wasn't one of our pets, I can assure you of that. The windows were closed. It wasn't from outside or another room. Because it sounded as clear as someone talking to you only 10 feet away. I've had a couple of other strange things happen in this apartment too. Once when I was washing dishes, a screw flew across the room and hit me in the center of my back. Above me was ceiling. There were no lights or anything and from where it hit me, it had definitely been thrown. It's all kind of interesting and we're currently looking at a house built in 1883 to move into from this apartment so secretly I kind of hope this next place is haunted as well. Call me crazy but I enjoy the thrill. So I'm on a trip backpacking around Europe with my brother, currently in Paris. We're staying in this hostel and we're in a 10 bunk bedroom. There was this one guy in the room who was immediately super weird. Almost right away, in fact. Like, as soon as we got settled, he starts talking to us about flying to Libya. He's all, us Libya, fly tomorrow, and me and my brother were just like, ah, no dude. He keeps saying it though, and we keep saying no, and he's getting progressively more assertive about it. As me and my brother are going around doing some sightseeing and stuff, I keep seeing this dude around as well. When we're at the hostel, he kept following us to the dining hall, out onto the terrace, and I'm getting more and more creeped out. And my brother, ever the non-assertive soul that he is, just laughs it off like the dude is joking. This goes on for two days, and well, this morning, we were going out to breakfast, and I forgot my phone back in the room, so I told my brother to just go ahead, and I ran back to get it. I go in the room, and the dude is sitting there. There's no one else in the room and I honestly contemplated just leaving it. But I didn't trust it alone in the room so I planned to just grab it quickly. That morning he was still on about Libya and was essentially bending over our beds going on about it despite me repeatedly telling him to stop talking to us. I go in and grab my phone and he suddenly just yells, Libya, now, we go now. I'm very scared since at this point we're the only ones in this room and I just say no dude and I go to leave when he blocks the door and grabs my shoulder, still going on about going to the airport and flying to Libya. I shove past him and run away till where my brother and I were going to breakfast. I decided that we're going to switch rooms because this dude was officially creep level 100. We make it back to the hostel and before we talk to the front desk we went outside for a smoke and he shows up. I almost yell at him this time to leave us alone and he just flat out says no. I go to the front desk and explain that this dude has been harassing us and we wanted to change rooms. I mentioned what went down in the room and before I knew it, the cops were called and I was giving a statement. As they were sorting it out though, there were a couple of things that really jumped out at me. The first was that this guy didn't pay in advance. Normally when you're staying in a hostel, you pay the full amount up front, or if you're staying for a while, you pay weekly. He was apparently paying by the day. And the second thing, he had several pieces of ID in his wallet, none of which matched his description. Apparently Paris has been having a problem with human trafficking, and this guy was escorted out of the hostel by the police. He was banned from staying there again ever, and me and my brother switched rooms and were given vouchers for free dinners for the rest of our stay there. And now, I'm terrified to go out by myself. I swear, if me and that guy had been alone in a more secluded place that didn't have cameras everywhere, I'm pretty sure that I would have been shipped off to Libya. So I was only a baby when this happened, and this is technically my mum's story. A bit of background. My mum had me pretty young, she was 21 and she wasn't married. Her and my dad were only dating when I was born and she was about 22 when this whole thing occurred. They both went to the same church with friends that they had met in high school, Louis, Christine and Quill. My mum was riding in Quill's car at the time. I was a one-year-old in the back seat. Mum basically took me everywhere and everyone was heading towards a church event that they were all excited for. Louis, my dad, and Christine were all in separate cars, but they trailed Quill because they were all heading in the same place anyway. At some point, my mum and Quill were stuck at a stoplight. 
They were chatting until my mum says that she just got this really uneasy feeling. She never had a problem with people keeping their doors unlocked, but she just couldn't shake how she felt at that moment. Finally, she spoke up, requesting what she suddenly felt was necessary. She said, Hey Quill, can you please lock the doors? Quill was confused. It was an odd thing for my mum, the monarch of never locking doors, to ask this. And he said, what? Wait, why? And she said, I don't know, I just have a feeling about it. Quill didn't object, locking the doors just as my mother asked. The light went green and everyone drove off. It wasn't until the next stoplight that my mum and Quill both experienced something that sure made them glad that they had actually locked the doors. And as they sat there chatting away, these two guys from a car next to them got out of their vehicles. Mind you, we're on a road with a bunch of other people next to us, so these guys must have been drunk or high or something. But quickly, they make their way over to Quill's car, one on each side. They begin to feverishly pull on the door handles, trying desperately to get it open. My mum and Quill screamed. They were still at a stoplight and couldn't move without hitting the cars next to them. And after realizing that my mum's door didn't work, one of them went for the door closest to me. He tried to open it with all of his might, until him and his douchebag buddy started to try and break the windows. Thankfully, the light turned green and Quill sped them out of there quickly. My mum and Quill were both in shock. Christine called them freaking out because she saw the whole thing from a couple of cars behind. She asked them if they were okay, which, although being in shock, they weren't harmed. My dad called her and told her that he and Louie were going to handle it, which my mum believed and they all went on their way. To this day, my mum says that she still doesn't know what my dad and Louie did to the guys. My dad said that he found them, but that's all that he would say about it. Louie acted similarly, not speaking of what happened, and even after my parents got married and got divorced, she still doesn't have a clue. When I was young, I lived in my uncle's basement apartment with my grandparents. This damn place just always gave out the most creepiest of vibes, especially when I was there alone. It had those gnarly yellow light bulbs in the early 90s splashing light off the brick-walled interior, and it just gave the whole place an eerie yellowish-brown tinge. It always just gave me the creeps. Now, one early fall evening, my grandpa was out with friends while my grandma would do the usual Sunday afternoon ritual where she would make a gigantic pot of whatever stew or curry dish and she would break it down into serve-sized portions and then freeze them to be used or eaten throughout the week. The house was old and getting to the point where creaks and bangs from walls were a pretty normal occurrence. I was also convinced that parts of the floor were unlevel as the door to my bedroom when open to a certain angle would slowly begin to close on its own, making a creaking noise the whole way. So for example, if you open the door at a 90 degree angle, it would slowly close itself to a 25 angle, but never actually slam shut. The windows were spread out throughout the basement, but they were those slim uh, 9 by 18 inches or whatever sliding windows that were way up top of the wall and too high for me or grandma to reach without using a chair. Only Grandpa was tall enough to access them without help. So, on this Sunday afternoon, my grandma proceeds to start cooking as the choice of curry dish that she had thought up required a good four to five hour slow simmer. I was in the living room or family room just kind of bouncing around building planes out of Lego and playing rescue missions with the little Lego men. In the kitchen, the stove was in the corner and across the stove, maybe a, a good six foot gap, was the fridge. Above the stove was one of the windows that I mentioned earlier. So, Grandma starts the simmer and casually joins me in the living or the family room and turns on a movie as she normally would on a Sunday afternoon. I wasn't really into the movie at first. It was some foreign one, but once the action scene started with all the kung fu and the fists flying, I was pretty captivated, so I joined her on the couch, spellbound by all those explosions and people fighting all over the place. Occasionally, Every 10 to 15 minutes or so, my grandma would pause the movie to go check on whatever she was cooking as the aroma started to fill the entire basement, and I'm sure the whole upstairs house as well. Sometimes I would join her, being the curious little tyke that I was, and ask questions like, did you use tomatoes today? Is there meat in there? Where did you learn how to make this? 
Grandma always responded and explained in detail. She was always proud of making food for us. So, as we're nearing the end of the movie, we are both startled by a loud bang and a crashing noise. My grandma jumps off the couch and goes dashing into the kitchen with me maybe three steps behind her. What I saw that day, I still can't explain. The big pot of food that I was mentioning was laying next to the fridge on the other side of the kitchen. The curry had splashed all over the wall and spilled all over the floor and some of it even on the fridge. In my panicked state, I stream off stuff like what the hell questions for grandma, who went eerily silent as she grabbed towels and began cleaning up this crazy mess. I began helping her and pointing out stupid little details because I still don't understand how this pot flew like five or six feet through the air and seems to be what hit the fridge before it came crashing to the floor as if someone had picked it up and thrown it across the kitchen. But my grandma... She just stayed silent until it was cleaned up. Once cleaned, we began inspecting the area to now come up with a conclusion of what could have happened. The windows were all closed because, being fall, the basement can get quite cold in the fall and winter months in Canada. They were also way too small for someone to fit through and escape in a matter of seconds, or to be open from the outside. We tried this many times as kids, in fact, when we forgot our keys and we were locked out after school, and going through that window was just never an option. The simmering pot could have vibrated off the stove, I suppose, but then how did it get like six feet across the kitchen and slam into the fridge like that? A few hours later, my grandpa came home and me being like eight or nine years old, ran over screaming, the curry went flying. Of course, he just gave me a big hug and ignored me, figuring that I'm just being a nutty little kid. But that's when my grandma grabbed him, pulling him into the room and closing the door behind them. I snuck up to the door to hear what they were saying, but I couldn't make anything out. But my grandpa is a, a pretty serious ex-military guy who doesn't really have a sense of humor or mess around unless it comes to us grandkids. And then he's a total clown, making funny faces, telling jokes and stories about whatever he felt was fitting to help guide us youngsters along. He always pushed us to be curious and always helped find answers to the questions that we had. But once he came out of that room, his demeanor was just different. He wasn't his usual smiling, let's play games with grandkids form. He was quiet, rigid, and in thought. I went into the kitchen and he looked around. I stayed quiet behind both my grandparents just observing and trying to make sense of it all. We ended up ordering pizza that night, and during pizza, like stupid kids do and they can't let go of things, I brought up the issue again with my grandpa. He stayed quiet the whole time, and my grandma responded with, we're not going to be talking about that anymore, in a very stern voice, and I felt like I was sort of in some kind of trouble or something. I never once brought it back up after that, and to this day, I still can't explain the mysterious case of the flying curry. First year of middle school, a lot of things happened that I believe really shouldn't have. About a month before school started, a day before my birthday in fact, I got my period for the first time. I know, sorry for that, but it's actually important to the story. I called my friend a few days afterward to tell her. I was a bit of an early bloomer, so I was one of the first in my friend group to start. Well, later on this particular friend of mine and I got into a fight and her retaliation was to start a rumor about me around the school that I was pregnant and had sex with a high schooler. Throughout the day, I noticed people giving me weird looks and I had no idea what it was about until my friends told me. I came home bawling my eyes out and my sister knew why. Being in a small town, rumors spread like wildfire and everyone already knew about it. This girl at the school that my sister was at told her about it and she went off at her. This started a whole chain of events with me crying, figuring out who it was, and my mum at the principal's not leaving until they promised to do something about it. It slowly started getting better, but walking home from school, I live nearly across the street, became just hell. I never learned this guy's name, but the first day he followed me around on his bike with his best friend... 
They circled around me, so I had to stop walking, ask me personal questions, which I'd either stay silent or say something snappy, and just a bunch of things to purposefully make me uncomfortable. On the third day, he kept making sexual comments about my body to the point that even his friend said, too far, man. After that, he never had his friend again, and I just kind of broke down a few days of it happening. I was always a really shy, quiet kid. I spent most of elementary school just not talking to anyone. I had no idea how to handle it, and I was scared to ask for help because I didn't think anybody would believe me or take it too seriously so I simply just didn't say anything. The last day of it happening, though, I think was the worst. He had a group of girls behind him all cheering him on as he was harassing me, and one of them laughed and said, you should stalk her. And he actually agreed with her, and I'd finally had enough, and I started screaming and cussing him out. He smirked and said, feisty, I like it, and I just ran home. I was already at the halfway point, my sister was waiting for me at the front door that day with our dog, only a few months old, so she had heard the whole thing and she didn't do that often, but it seemed like perfect timing and she looked panicked and was just like, are you okay? Do I need to hurt someone? And told me that I need to report that to the school. I said that I was fine though and it was taken care of. She was reluctant, but she let it go. But then he walked past my house and our dog jumped in front of me and started growling at him. He just sort of chuckled, which really freaked both me and my sister out. A few months before, our house had actually gotten broken into, and because I was home alone a lot, my mum decided to get me a dog to protect me. She's a sweetheart, though, and lets people pat her and everything. That's why my sister would sometimes wait for me outside and let kids pet her. But he was one of the only people that she's ever growled at. I'm really afraid that if I didn't stand up for myself or had a dog, that he would have actually followed up on the threat of stalking me. I only saw him around school a couple of times, or once on the student news because he was on the football team and got this award or something. I almost started crying when I saw it, and when he went up to my lunch table because my friend asked him a question and he stared at me the entire time. The last time that I saw him was the last day of school, and... I was getting things out of my locker and when I walked past him, his breath hitched and he just looked at me the entire time that I was in the hallway. There are a lot of reasons why I hate that town, but after I graduated from 8th grade, he was the biggest reason why I didn't want to go to that high school there. I'm glad that my mum accepted and we moved into the city and I've had to deal with a, a fair share of creeps, but he was by far the worst of them. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.